you have a Bible, turn it to Psalms 42. If you have our church app, you can just press the Bible on there and it'll open up for you. Psalms 42, and we're going to begin in verses 1 through 11. It just has 11 verses, so we're going to cover them all this morning. Psalms 42. You know, uh, starting off uh, March and during this month of March, I'm preaching about areas of patchy fog. And the meaning behind that is that sometimes you'll see that sign or hear it in the news that you've hit an area of patchy fog or there are going to be some areas of patchy fog, which means to watch out because there could be some danger as you're out traveling because fog can catch you off guard and it can cause you to react in ways that you shouldn't react. It can also get you confused and lose your visibility. So fog can be very dangerous. And we're looking at areas of patchy fog in our life that can kind of hit us and cause us to lose our visibility, maybe even cause us to act in ways that we shouldn't act. And so today, Psalms 42 is kind of a picture of someone who is in a fog. And I've preached that first message about dense fog ahead, which talks about how that in our heads we can get some dense fog. I preached last week about the fog of fear and how that sometimes fear can fog up our thoughts and our actions. But today I just want to talk about in a fog, when our lives can just kind of be in a fog. And there's a uh, clip, many of you probably have seen the movie Courageous, and uh, in that movie Courageous, the main family that the movie is focused around is the Mitchell family. And in that family, there is Adam, who is the father, there's Victoria, who is the mother, there's Dylan, who is an older teenager, that's the son, and then there's a young daughter named Emily, who is just a young child. Tragically, in this movie, Emily is in a car accident with another family, and she is killed. And I want you to watch a little clip of a scene from that movie after the funeral for Emily, where Adam the father and Victoria comes into the room, and she begins to express her feelings about how that she feels like she's in a fog or some type of black hole. I want you to listen to this. If y'all would uh, dim the lights there and... Put us some sound on and let's watch it. sense of this for me. I feel like I'm in a fog or some type of black hole. (laughs) I really want to get out. wrong to let her go to that party. If I had said no, she'd still be here. Victoria. We can't do that. Well, why is she the one that had to get killed? And why is that drunk still alive? Why? Why? I think that scene from Courageous kind of gives us a picture of how that sometimes in our life things can come tragically 
And just like Victoria explained, she felt like she was in a fog. She was in some type of black hole. It's just kind of like life had kind of like suddenly changed and it hadn't had meaning. It couldn't sink in. And you know, for the most part, uh, I'd say that most people, that their life seems to be in a fog. There is something tragic that has happened that has triggered that. We don't know exactly from the psalmist, but apparently there's some people who have turned against him that he describes as his enemies. And he seems to be in a fog, a depressed fog, because those who have come against him. Tragic moments have a tendency to kind of put our life in a fog, or as Victoria said, kind of make us feel like we're in a black hole. But did you notice that she said that she wanted to come out, but she had questions about why? Why did it happen, and why was she like this? And that's true, as we'll see that in the, in the psalm here. And you know, although some people realize when they're in the fog, probably the, what I've seen is the most majority of people, when something has triggered a fog in their life, they don't fully realize that they're even in a fog, and they don't realize that their attitude is changing and that there are things moving in a negative direction in their life. And so when we look at this psalm together today, I want you to realize that when your life is in a fog, it can cause things to occur that create difficulties in your life and also can lead to bad outcomes. The great thing about this psalm is that he not only gives us an explanation about being in a fog and what the symptoms are, but he also really weaving in there reveals to us what the steps are to get out of a fog in our life where we seem to be kind of in a black hole. We're in a state of depression. We, we're in a state that we just can't seem to get out of ourselves. But realizing that most people, when they're first in a fog, they don't even realize what is occurring to them. They're just kind of reacting. As we read this Psalm 42, uh, I want you to notice that in the heading, that in the New King James, it talks about it being a contemplation. In the King James and the NIV, it says that it's a maskil. Now, the original wording that was translated and described as maskil was carry the meaning of a song or a poem that had instruction that need to be considered and understood. And so as we look at this psalm together today, I want us to see the instruction that's given there, but I want us to take careful attention of what we need to learn from it. And what we need to learn is these two things specifically, and that is, what are the symptoms of being in a fog, and what are the steps of getting out of this fog that has kind of stunned our life, or maybe even put us in a black hole or a state of depression? So let's read this psalm together. I'm reading this out of the New King James, Psalms 42, and we're going to look at all 11 verses. And you'll notice there, if you pulled up the Bible app, it talks to the chief musician, a contemplation of the sons of Korah. If you have the King James or the NIV, it's there where it says the maskil. And it begins in this verse 1, where the psalmist is using an expression of where he has come to. It says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? He is in that expression talking about how thirsty he is for God. And he's looking for that moment that he can really break out and get a hold of God in his life. And it just seems like he's not getting there. Verse 3 says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? Verse 4 says, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. 
For I used to go with a multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. He remembers how it was when he was in celebration. Verse 5, he says, But why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Is that that expression that he's revealing to us that he knows at this point, he's finally starting to get out of the fog. He realizes that he's in a fog and something's happening to him. And at the latter part of verse 5, he says, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And so wrapped up in that verse 5, he's revealing that he realizes Something has happened to him. He's in a fog. He's in a black hole. Something has got a grip of him. He's depressed. He's discouraged. And then he tries to make that statement about what he's got to do to get out of there. I need to hope in God. I need to praise God for he is the help in his countenance. Verse 6 says, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon and from the hill of Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls, and all your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? You can see at this point, he's just kind of bouncing back and forth of celebration and remembering to where he is now and why is it happening to him. In verse 10, he says, As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? And verse 11 closes by saying, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. The psalmist is really kind of toiling back and forth, isn't he? Trying to get a grip of what's going on. But I want you to first think about a few things as we've read in this about what the symptoms of being in a fog is. What is it that characterizes a person who has kind of got like Victoria that we watched? She's had something that happened in her life, and for us, we knew very quickly and she recognized it. This tragic moment had thrown her into a black hole. It caused her life to feel like it was in a fog. She'd lost her visibility for life. She'd kind of come to a point of confusion. But what in this psalm, I think, takes us even deeper? What are the symptoms of being in a fog? Because remember, most people don't realize it when they're first in a fog. What are the symptoms? Well, if we look at verse 3, we see the first symptom, and that is emotional feelings of instability. When a person is in a fog, most of the time they're going to go through this stage of some emotional feelings of instability, which means they could be okay for a moment, and then something just makes them crash in their crime. Matter of fact, in this verse 3, the psalmist talks about his tears are his food both day and night. So he's talking about that there are times that daytime, nighttime, tears are flowing. And by his expression of food, he's saying that they're flowing so much that they're basically feeding inside of him. He's feeding off of his tears. And so one of the symptoms of being in a fog in your life is when you have emotional feelings of instability. They may be there all the time or they may come and go or it may just be a sudden snap. But those tears begin to flow. 
Then he tells us about another symptom of being in a fog, and that is doubts or questioning God. We've heard of a look at verse 3 and verse 9. We see two words in there that are many times what shows up when a person is in a fog of depression and they begin to experience things in their thoughts, and that is where they begin to ask where and why. Did you notice in the movie clip that I showed you that Victoria asked the question, she said, why is Emily dead and why is that drunk driver still alive? And in her emotion, as those questions are really on her heart, she begins to just cry out, why, why, why? You see, those two questions sometimes pop up in our mind when we're in kind of a fog in our life, and that is, we're questioning God, we have our doubts about God, and that is, the doubt is expressed as, where is your God? Where is my God? Where is the God in the midst of what I am experiencing in my life, what I'm going through right now, and why is this happening now? Why is this happening to me? Questions and doubts about God. Another symptom that I see in here is a loss of joy that we see in verse 4. You'll notice in verse 4, he's talking about the experience that he remembers when life was good. When he was on a spiritual journey, he talks about going to the house of God and going on a pilgrim feast with other, uh, other Christians. Or what, what, we wouldn't call it Christians then in the Old Testament. It would be the people of God. We would call it Christians today. But you'll notice in that verse 4, he used two words that are very significant to bring to reality of what he is feeling. And that is, used to. He says he remembers how it used to be. And he talks about the joy. What he's saying is, I used to have joy, but now it seems to be gone. The joy seems to have departed. And that's one of the symptoms of being in a fog is you don't seem to have any sense of joy in life. Another symptom of being in a fog is no energy or meaning to life. We see that in verse 5. Then the verse 5, the psalmist used the expression of being cast down. And in the original Hebrew writing, it means to melt away. So when he said that he was cast down and he repeated that another time, he's not, saying I don't, he's not saying I feel like I've been pushed down or somebody's run over me like a freight train, but he says, I feel like my life is just melting away from me. I feel like I'm losing life, energy to move forward. Life doesn't seem to have any meaning. I just feel like I'm drained. Life just doesn't seem to really mean anything anymore. It's a point of having that symptom of no energy and no meaning to life. And then the fifth and final symptom that I see about being in this fog is an anger that you have at the core of your being. You see, at verse 5, he used that expression of the word disquieted. It's not a word that we use very often. And the Hebrew word that was used there means a tumultuous inside, a groaning from within inside you. Basically, it's an expression that of a person who may be acting fairly normal, maybe going through life trying to smile at, hey, how you doing? And yeah, and doing stuff. But deep inside, there's this anger. At the core of their being, there's this groaning. Sometimes it may be deep anger that it's just at a moment it can flash. Sometimes it can be this groaning, aching inside that you just feel like you're hurting and you just feel like that you're just not happy with anybody. And so as I look at this 
Psalm, Psalms 42, the psalmist really reveals, matter of fact, if you were to talk to a psychiatrist, he'd say, these are all the symptoms of a person in depression or being in a fog. They have emotional instability. They have their doubts about things or asking why and where. They have a loss of joy. They have no energy, no meaning to life. And there seems to be this anger that's at the core of them. Now, if those symptoms seem to trigger anything in your life, then just like Victoria said, She said, I want to get out. I think anybody that's in a state of a fog or a depression, they want to get out. Now, as I'm sharing this, this is something that God shared with me because I had gone through several years of being in a fog and didn't even realize it about myself. But when God began to reveal it to me, suddenly I began to realize, you know what? I've been in a fog and I see how that for me, it was where I, I didn't do some things that I would normally do. And I thought, why, why have I acted that way? Or why have I not? And then God revealed to me that I've been in a fog and there's just been certain little pockets of my life that became foggy. And I wasn't acting like I would normally act. So how do you take the steps of getting out of the fog? Well, he reveals to us, first of all, this is the first step. You've got to recognize you have a problem. You can never make a step of getting out of a fog or a black hole or a state of depression or moving forward into your life like Victoria said that she wanted to get out until you recognize you have a problem. And when you recognize you have a problem, that's not saying that you're defective. If, somebody, if, I, if you come up to somebody and say, do you know you got a problem? It's like, how would you like a punch in the nose? Then you'll have a problem. Because when you say you have a problem, it's like saying, I am defective. There's something wrong with me. But recognizing you have a problem that I'm talking about, that the psalmist talked about, he recognizes something has changed. That's a problem, right? If it's changed towards the bad to the negative. Now, if you've changed towards a good, that's a good thing. But you've got to recognize there's a problem when you've changed towards a negative towards direction. And in verse 4, The psalmist is revealing there, he's remembering some things. Remember how that he used to go to the house of God. He used to feast with the other uh, people of God. But as he goes through and as we've looked through this entire psalm, he's bouncing back and forth. And that's because he is recognizing that he has a problem. And he's trying to get it all in his head and sort through it. Have you ever heard of the, uh, he's he's dead now, but uh, any of you ever heard of the Christian motivational speaker Zig Ziglar? Any of y'all ever heard? Oh, good many. Ha <laughs> ha, that's impressive. Zig Ziglar had all kinds of catchy sayings and stuff. And Zig Ziglar would probably look at this psalm or look at the person like this and say, what we need is a checkup from the neck up. He liked to say little catchy uh, things that had a little something that rhymed or catchy meaning. And what he's saying here is sometimes you need a checkup from the neck up. And recognize, take a close look at yourself, check your attitude and see if there's been a change and if there's some problem that has developed in your life. The first step to getting out of fog is recognizing you have a problem or something has changed in a negative way in your life. The second step is reach out to God passionately. If you look at verses 1 and 2, it's pretty easy to see that there's a passion that has developed in the psalmist as he's recording this. And in verses 7 and 8, he makes a reference of deep going to deep. If you look at what he is saying there in that first one, he's talking about his soul is thirsty for God. And he used an expression of his thirst being like a deer that pants for the water. 
The expression he's using there, you have to kind of take in mind what a deer is like. Most, of us, most people around here maybe have uh, been familiar with white-tailed deers, and they say that a white-tailed deer can run 30 miles per hour. Now, not for a long distance, but it can go that for a short distance. They also say that a white-tailed deer can almost clear an eight-foot fence. So if you want to keep a deer out, you've got to have at least an eight-foot fence or they'll clear it. It can take a single bounce and clear 30 feet in length. Joyce and I would say that. I can agree with that because we hit a deer on the road and did some damage to us. So they can leap out of nowhere suddenly. And after a deer has exhausted all that he's got in him of being able to clear a fence almost eight foot tall to reach speeds of 30 miles per hour to bounce at a distance of about 30 feet, when he has exhausted all the energy he's got to hit those speeds and jump those heights and leap those distance, and he's just drenched, that's kind of where the psalmist is saying that a deer pants for the water. He recognizes, a deer recognizes what it's most urgent need is and what its number one desire is, and that is water. And the psalmist is using wording here about reaching out to God so passionately that you're like a deer, that you know what you most need, and that's God, and you call on the Lord deep calling to deep. That expression of deep from deep is kind of a reminder to us that when we're deep in a fog or deep in discouragement, we've got to reach down deeper into our spiritual being and grab hold of every spiritual resource we've got to call upon God. Reach out to God passionately. The third step to getting out of fog is to remember the good things that God has done in the past. And I has, as I've read through the Bible, every psalm that is coming out of a difficult time that the psalmist has written, everything that I've read in the Bible, that is one central detail that is always brought up. I remember what God has done in the past. I remember what God did for my forefathers. I remember the miracles and the mighty hand of God. I remember, and what that does is that when you begin to remember the good experiences that you've had in your past or that you've seen that God has done, it triggers and renews a renewed sense of God and his goodness in your life. And when you're in a fog or a depressed state or you're feeling like you're in a black hole, that's where you need to be, renewing that sense of God's presence and his goodness in your life. So confess to God the goodness of God. The fourth step is this. Release your anxiety through praise. I know from my own personal life, that's one of the things that has done me the most good. I have been at some of the most, uh, I guess, most difficult and worst moments on a Saturday late coming into Sunday to preach. At points that I felt like I don't want to preach, I don't feel like preaching, I don't think I'm going to preach. And then God would grab hold of my heart and he'd say, I want you to praise me. And you know what? When you're feeling angry, you're feeling hurt, you're feeling like you don't want to do what you're supposed to be doing next, you don't really feel like praising God. But you know what you need to do? Praise God. And when God reaches down into my heart and tells me to praise him, every time I begin to praise him, he lifts me out of the hole and sets me on a rock to move forward with what he has called me to do. And so releasing your anxiety through praise is one of the greatest steps to get you out of the fog of your life. And there was a saying that uh, I think is very powerful. The best way to forget the pain of your misery is to praise the God of your mercies. 
The best way to forget the pain of your miseries is to praise the God of your mercies. Confess your praise to God. The last step that I see that the psalmist reveals to us is this, and that is renew your trust in God personally. Make it a personal issue with God that you want him to know and you want to renew your trust in him. In this final verse of uh, Psalms 42, there's an acknowledgement that the psalmist says that he has mentioned before in the Psalm 2, and that is about God being his hope and his help. And that's where it's going to come from, from the countenance or the very presence of God in his life. Now, there, there's one word that really pops out, and that's the word help. We talks about God being his help. Remember, he's trying to get out of a fog. He's trying to get out of a state of depression. He's trying to get out of what has negatively impacted his life to get him on a positive path in his life. And he uses the Hebrew word Yeshua. Now, if you've watched The Passion of Christ or if you've watched anything in original writings about God and about Jesus, you know that there's that link from Jesus' name to the original Yeshua because Yeshua or Yeshua means my deliverer, my salvation. So when he says about God being his help, he's not just saying, I got somebody that can give me a little hand here to make it a little easier on me. He's not saying, I got somebody that can give me a little encouragement and a little push and a little nudge and get me a little motivated. He's saying, my help, my Yeshua my deliverer, my salvation, the one who will lift me up in his arms and carry me through this, that's who I'm calling on. That's who I need to be present in my life and I need to place all my trust in his hands and let him just carry me and all my anxiety and all my issues and just carry me out of the fog and into the light. You know, a lot of times these things about being in a fog it messes with our head, doesn't it? That was my first message, dense fog a head. It messes with our head. Zig Ziglar saying sometimes we need a checkup from the head up. And you know the old Christian saying that's been around a lot of times that when you're down and out, you just need to look up. I guess probably if we looked at all of this and took Zig Ziglar and the old sayings and the psalmist here, we'd say what we need to do is do a checkup from the neck up and start looking up. Because God can bring you the hope and help that you need. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I don't know where you are in your life and uh, what symptoms you may be facing. Maybe everything's going great. and Maybe God had this for you for something that may be coming into your life in the future. I hope not, but it might be. But there may be some in here today that maybe you're kind of at that point right now that you're in a fog that you can't see clearly, things have affected you negatively, and you just want to get out. You're like Victoria. You got the questions of where and why, and you just want to get out, feeling like you're in a black hole. Sometimes tragic moments can throw us in that hole and cover us in a fog. Sometimes we kind of just gradually are easing into a fog and don't even realize what has happened to us till we're deep into it. And so there are all different phases of where we can be. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's discouragement. Sometimes it's frustration. But our lives can get in a fog. And today, if you're at some point in that, whether it's something tragic, something gradual, something that's just kind of, matter of fact, I'm sure of this. 
from God's Holy Spirit speaking to my heart, I'm sure of this, that there's probably some today that as God was speaking through this message, you realize, whoa, that sounds a little bit of some of those symptoms like me. Can I be in a fog? That's where I was. Whoa. And then I began to let God speak to me, begin to real, reveal things to me, and I thought, that is crazy. What in the world am I, why, why have I done that? Why have I allowed that to happen in my life? Why have I allowed that trend to occur? And sometimes it's not your entire life that hits every area in a fog. Sometimes it's just little patches, patches of fog. And you're functioning mostly, okay, but then there's a patch that just doesn't make sense because you've reacted in a certain way and you've kind of just lost your vision. Today, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you feel a sense of maybe you know someone that's in a fog and you need to pray for them, or maybe you feel a sense that you're in a fog, a deep fog, or maybe you just kind of been gradually moving into it and you need to pray for someone, you need to pray for yourself, then right now I'm inviting you to just kind of step out of the pew and come kneel at the altar and just say, God, I need you to clear the way, to show the light, to lift me up. I need you to be my Yeshua my salvation, my deliverer, to pull me out of this fog and put me in the light and set me on a rock. If that's your need for praying for someone or for yourself, would you just come this morning? Maybe you never have accepted Christ as your personal Savior and maybe you're unsure of your salvation, but God sure has spoken to you in some way through this message or music today. If you need the Lord in your life, then I want to invite you to pray a prayer that you can pray right now in your heart, right where you're sitting to ask the Lord to come into your life and take control of your life and to cleanse you of all your sins. Something like this, just silently in your heart, pray this. Dear Lord, I feel your Holy Spirit speaking to me. Lord, I know I've made some mistakes, but today I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it, you've made the most important decision in your life, and I want to rejoice with you and I want to lift you up in prayer. If you pray that prayer with me while nobody's looking around, would you just lift up your hand and just say, Pastor, yes, yes. Are there others? Yes. To God be the glory. Yes. Thank you very much. You may put your hands down. And we know that the Bible tells us that all of heaven rejoices over one person who nails down their salvation. And I can tell you this, <laughs> this preacher rejoices over one, two, or three that accept or nail down their salvation. And so if you made that decision, you prayed that prayer this morning, you made the most important decision of your life. And I want to encourage you to be unashamed about the decision you make, to acknowledge what you've done, whether it's to me or coming forward during this invitation, coming to the altar, whatever you need, telling someone next to you, telling your family, but acknowledge that decision you've made so that you can perpetually move yourself forward in your Christian life. Lord, I come to you, Lord, and I thank you for your sweet spirit and God, for the lives that you've touched, for those you have found them either in a deep fog or moving into the midst of a fog. And Lord, I pray for those who have made the decision today to give their heart and life to you. Maybe it was an uncertainty of salvation. Maybe it's something they just needed to nail down and know that they knew what was going on in their life and they nailed down their salvation like Allie did it a couple of years ago. Or maybe they knew that they never had done it, but they did it today. And we rejoice in that. So Lord, I pray, God, that you be glorified in these lives.
And Lord, that you have your precious will in this invitation. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.